Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Well, listen, we are in a season of grace for growth. You know this because I've been prophesying it. And we know because we learned last week and we all agreed last week. And if you weren't here last week, go watch the replay. But we agreed last week that spiritual growth is the most important kind of growth. There's growth in finances, growth in relationships. There's growth in your career, but spiritual growth. Somebody say spiritual growth is the most important kind of growth because it undergirds and accelerates other growth, other uh, growth in other areas of your life. But you have to know that if I prophesy a spiritual growth spurt, and I did, that the enemy is going to come with tactics to stunt your growth. There are certain things that enemy, the doctors will tell you that they will stunt your growth. If you do this, and your parents lie to you when you're little. If you don't eat enough spinach, you don't stunt your growth. I mean, they make up all this stuff, you know. When I was uh, seven, and then again when I was eight, I broke my leg right, well, first time I broke it right above the knee, the second time I broke it right below the hip, and I was in a full body cast twice, and uh, and they, they were very concerned that this the growth in this leg would be stunted, that it would be significantly shorter than the other one, and praise God, I, I, I broke my leg in a time right before a growth spurt, so it actually did grow. It's just about, just a wee teeny, like just a hair difference, but nothing significant. But the enemy will always come to knock you down, to bust you up, to put you in a proverbial body cast so that you cannot move, so that you are constricted, so that you are injured, so that you are hurt, so that you cannot do the, 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 the heavy lifting that is required to grow because there is heavy lifting required. I've been talking to you about how I've been to the gym in a while. I decided to bring the gym to me this week. I, I bought a, a bunch of free weights. Amen. So amen. So I can pray in tongues, watch Catherine Coleman on YouTube and lift weights at the same time. Amen. So I can beat up some new devils. But the thing is, you've got to put the effort into it. You don't just grow in the spirit by just laying there saying, well, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You'll gain a certain measure of growth. It's just as you walk with the Lord, but there is resistance. The enemy puts mountains in your way to overwhelm you, to frustrate you, and to weaken you. Because when you're overwhelmed, you're not in a strong position. 
When you're, when you're, when you're frustrated and angry, you're not in a strong position. You cannot katamroste. You cannot receive the grace of God when you're frustrating. Paul said, I will not frustrate the grace of God. And when you're acting like the devil, you ain't receiving the grace of God, honey, until you repent. Hallelujah. Amen. To Zach, Zachariah, today we're going to shout grace to some of these mountains. Now let me say this. There are many, 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 many things that will stunt your spiritual growth. The enemy will use many things. I could not possibly address them all here. But what I am giving you today is a rhema word. Someone say a rhema word. A rhema word because I am telling you what God has told me that the majority of you need to hear. And if you don't feel like it's for you, well, honey, that's okay. Maybe it's not today. Oh, but maybe next week you'll say, oh, wow, I remember that message. The Lord has instructed me by rhema by the living word, by the word that he is focusing on to share these. And I want to read you this scripture because we're going to deal with some of these mountains today. Zechariah 4 and 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will be made level to the ground. And he will bring out the, st- the top stone among amidst shouting grace, grace to the mountain. So as we press through, this was probably the last message in this, this series of grace for growth. As we press through, we're going to shout grace to some of the mountains that the enemy is using to frustrate our growth or to stunt or stymie our growth. The first one, of course, is very obvious. And it's fear, the mountain of fear. You know as well as I do that you cannot walk in faith and fear at the same time. Fear is something we've heard so much about. We understand that perfect love casts out fear. We understand that there is no fear in love. We understand that God is love and he does not give us a spirit of fear, but of uh, uh, power, love, and a sound mind. We understand these things. We can all quote these scriptures then how come we still are afraid? I'm not afraid. I bet you're afraid of something. And wherever your fear lies, that is where your growth has been stunted. And so we must identify areas of our life where we are afraid, afraid to do God's will, afraid to change. You know, when I left Charisma Magazine, I, it was, it was, a, it was a kind of fear. Anytime you're in any kind of transition, a fear will hit you somewhere along your path. It will hit you. And I, I had just met, I had just ministered a message on this a couple years ago. I was teaching about transition and change and how anytime you're in transition, fear will hit. I said all these things. Then I thought to myself, huh, I'm quitting charisma. I'm leaving the last part of my, uh, I guess it's a Christian company, but it's, it's a secular job. I mean, in the sense that it was a paid job. It was a, I'm leaving the last of my man-made provision behind, if you know what I mean. And I thought, I haven't gotten hit with fear at all. This is odd. I just preach that you always get hit by, I know by experience you always get hit by, but I haven't been hit by fear. And then a couple weeks later it hit me. Fear will always hit you in times of change. Sometimes fear will hit you in times of spiritual acceleration because God will cause you to leave things behind that are comfortable to you. And you're afraid, how will I do without this person? How will I do without this church? Certain people don't leave churches, and I'm not trying to get anybody to leave their church. Most of you come to this one. Praise God. And I love you. I want you here. But many people don't. I, I, 
I've been in churches where I didn't leave for a year or two or more. I know you have as well. I know you have as well. I know you have as well. I bet you almost every single person in here has the same story where you didn't leave for a year, two years or more because you were afraid that you wouldn't find anywhere else to go or you were afraid of the persecution or you were afraid of whatever, whatever lie. But that, that Lord doesn't speak to us in fear. We can't be afraid of him either. The best way to overcome fear is to act on it. So I've come to the point when I begin to, when I discern the fear, now fear can be especially subtle, but once you discern it, once you discern this mountain of fear in front of you, I just decide to go ahead and run into it full fledged fast as I can. I'm going to act on it. The fastest way to diffuse fear, the most effective way to diffuse fear isn't praying for a year, hoping that the fear will dissipate. It's running into the thing you are afraid of as fast as you can and get it over with. Because fear will help you, will, will keep you from entering your promised land. And I could tell you lots of fear stories, but I'm sure you all sort of get the gist there. I want to spend more time on other things. But, but right now what I want us to do is, and those of you who have fear, actually all of you do, so you can all do this, praise God. There's all, all of us are, are afraid, afraid of something. There's this lady I watched on this TV show one time and she was afraid of marshmallows. She said they squeak. They made this squeaking sound. So there are irrational fears and there are normal fears. But I want us to do this. When I, I want us to shout grace to the mountain of fear. You ready? One, two, three. Grace! Because grace is what will ultimately empower you to overcome fear. Grace is, remember what I taught you, it is the power of God, the favor, the kindness, the blessing of God. Whatever mountain is in your way, you've got to shout grace to it. And then you've got to run and scale it. Whatever you got to do to get around it, over it, through it. Here's one. This is where you won't like me anymore. The mountain of self-will. Oh, I heard the groans. The mount, that is a mountain. If, listen, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, warning you, giving you some kind of strategy, some kind of instruction, would you please listen to the Holy Ghost? Would you please listen to the Holy Ghost? This mountain of self-will. It brings us into lots of problems. Earlier this year, the Lord told me, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to, to stop taking so many book contracts. And I said, that, that makes no sense to my mind. I write four or five books a year. They're all bestsellers. I'm known around the world for my books. I'm equipping masses. It's helping people. It's blessing people. I don't make a lot of money on it. It's not about the money because you don't make a tremendous amount of money on books. But I enjoy it. This is what I've done my whole life. I have been a writer. I write books. This is what I do. This is part of my dream. Why in the world would I do that? So I just sort of pretended like I didn't. You know how like when you call your kids, would you come take out the garbage, please? Johnny, come take out the garbage. And they just pretend like they didn't hear you. So I just, I, I was like, I, I don't get it. I'm not understanding this. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you prophesy over people all the time, don't you? And I said, I do. He says, you believe that what you're prophesying can come from me? I said, yes, of course. I wouldn't say it if I didn't think it came from me. He said, well, this came from me too, and I want you to take less book contracts next year. <laughs> telling all my stories, all right? Tell, telling all myself. But we all do things like this. But what I learned through that experience was I, I stopped taking more book contracts, except I took one to help a friend. One, to help a spiritual son. One, because this was his big break and they wanted me to do it to help him get his name out there. And guess what? It's been nothing but headaches and drama. Nothing but pressure, deadlines, overwhelming, irritation, frustration. And I'm telling on myself. Now listen, will God ultimately give me the grace 
to, to write that book and will it be a bestseller? Yes. You know why? Because God is gracious and he'll allow me to learn that lesson. And because my motive was right, I was trying to help a friend. But guess what? It was still my will, not his. And your will can be good towards somebody. Your will can be to help somebody. Your will can be to give somebody money to pay their bills. But if it's not the Holy Ghost will, then it ain't good. It's not perfect and it's sure and acceptable. Amen. And here's what I learned. As I still don't really understand fully why he would have me not write so many books. Um, of course, I'll still write books. He says, stop taking so many book contracts. That could mean anything. That could mean I'll self-publish. That could mean I'll stop writing. I don't fully understand why, but I've learned this about God. I don't always have to understand. See, it's it's our having to understand that gets us in so much trouble. Well, I just need to know why. You don't need to know why. You need to know that he is God. And he is good. And he is the one who is navigating your life. And if you'll follow his path, you'll be happy. Even in the middle of the warfare, you'll be content. You'll be joyful. Your body will stay well. You won't be overwhelmed with stress and too many obligations. You will be okay. Amen. If you want to build a strong spiritual growth life, you've got to listen to God. There's this guy, Dr. Cho. Anybody heard of Dr. Cho? He's in Korea, Prayer Mountain. He started out with like 30 people in his living room. Now he has at least a 1 million member church that they pray 24 hours a day. It just goes on and on. And somebody asked him, what is the secret to your success? And he said this, listen, I pray, I obey. That's what Jesus did. That was the secret to Christ's success as he walked the earth, fully God, fully man. He prayed he obeyed. He prayed. He saw what the Father wanted to do. He did what he saw the Father doing. Miracles broke out. Moves of God happened. People got saved, healed, delivered. I pray. I obey. That needs to be our mantra, especially here at the Awakening House of Prayer. Now, if you will be so brave, I want us to, when I count to three, shout grace to the mountain of, of self-will. One, two, three. Grace! Amen. Some of y'all really loud. I like that. The morning service is getting louder. Praise God. The afternoon service, they shout me down sometimes. I can't even, so I'm trying to cultivate this spirit of loudness, if you want to call it that. Amen. Here's one. You won't like me for this one either, but remember, I'm trying to help you. The mountain of pride. So, so, some of you said amen. Some of you said, oh my. <laughs> the mountain of pride. Now, pride is something we all have in our flesh. Our carnal nature is just proud. But God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. Now, when the devil resists you for doing the will of God, this is how you get stronger. This is how you gain spiritual muscle. Pushing back against the devil that's pushing back at you against you. But honey, guess what? When the Lord is resisting you, ain't nothing going to go your way. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the business, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the family, it applies to the whole way around. Whatever you're trying to build, if you're trying to build it in your own strength, with your own plan, and you're not leaning and depending on him, then you're not going to succeed. Long term. Or if you do succeed, you're going to be worn out, overwhelmed, because what you build in the flesh must be maintained in the flesh. What you build out of your own pride and your own self-will, your own grandiose vision will have to be sustained by that. Pride comes 
before destruction and the haughty spirit before a fall. So when I count to three, we're going to shout grace to this mountain of pride. Amen. You ready? One, two, three. Grace. I think y'all have the second service beat. You officially have outshouted the second service. You should be proud of yourself. Amen. It must be the New Yorker from Russia. That's just must be what has made the difference today. Amen. Every week we have someone visiting from out of town or out of the country. So I am trying to recognize them because I think if they came all this way from where, where, where they came to see me, like, the, you know, I'm on YouTube. So they come and they see me on YouTube. And then when they see me in person, like, oh, you look, uh, you look more slender in person. I'm like, wow, do I look like really fat on Facebook or something? It's like, I don't know whether to say thank you or if that's an insult or I don't know. I don't know. Number four, the mountain of codependence. Oh, now remember, there are many mountains that will stand in your way. I'm highlighting the ones I feel like the Lord has the rhema for us on. These are things that we, maybe you don't have all these, but likely you'll have one of them. Some Christians expect pastor to do everything for them. And I know this because of the Facebook messages and the emails that I get all the time. Jennifer, I know you're busy. You're traveling around the world and building houses of prayers and you're writing books and you're discipling people and you run schools. I know you're busy, but my, I, I stubbed my toe and it really hurts. And I'd like to know, will you pray for me, please? It's really an emergency. And, but I get these little, 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 little thing, little things, little things. I don't mean like my husband is dying. Would you please pray? Or, or my daughter has run away from home. Will you please pray? I mean little things. Little things. And so this is what tells me that the body of Christ has a culture of pastor does all the praying. Pastor choose my meat for me. Pastor assimilates the word for me and serves me a meal on Sunday. And then the rest of the week I starve to death. That's why I come back looking all rough and grumpy because I had ate all week. Amen. And so we have to not have these codependent relationships with other people or pastors. Other people the same way. I mean, when you have an issue, do you pray for yourself or do you immediately call somebody and say, pray for me? We have to be not self-sufficient, but God-sufficient. In other words, God should be the first one we are running to. We are dependent on him. We are not co-dependent on him because he is not dependent on us. And it's okay to have prayer partners and friends. We should, who we run to when we just can't pray. It's different when you go to somebody because you can't pray than just because... Your knee-jerk reaction is, well, I'm going to call the intercessor at the church, and they're going to pray for me, and I'm going to go watch TV. That's not the right spirit. That's not the right heart. So we have to cast down this mountain of codependence. Only our, our only dependence become, be, uh, uh, should be on God. Jeremiah 17.5, you won't like the scripture either, but that's okay. This is meat today. It's meat. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. See, when we, be, when we become overly dependent on others, we, sh- we do depend on one another. We do. I depend on Pastor Christine to break that worship open this morning. I knew that she'd break it open. I, d- I, I need her to do that. I don't have that gift. If I started singing, you would all leave in a hurry. Amen. Or maybe you'd tape it, put it on Facebook and make a viral video or something of the horrifyably singing apostle. But I depend on her to do that. And she did her part. I do my part and we have a good time. Amen. We learn, we grow together. So we do depend on each other. But when we depend on anything or anyone more than we depend on God, we've got our priorities mixed 
up. And so we're going to shout grace to this mountain of codependence when I count to three. One, two, three. Grace! Ooh, kata, robo, shakata. I kind of felt this whole grace wave coming at me. Like I, I'm just overwhelmed by grace. I don't know. It's a good thing. Hallelujah. Hey, shara Here's another one. The mountain of hurts and wounds. Ah, maka. The mountain. See, you can only grow so much when you're wounded. When I broke my leg, it did not grow while it was healing. It did not grow while it was broken. It caught up. So whatever you've been through, the hurts, the wounds, you it, it, it will. It will stunt your growth for a season. But when you come out of that thing with a new perspective, trusting God more, fully restored, seeing double for your trouble, triple for your trial, your growth will accelerate because your testimony will push you over the top. Amen. But while you're hurt, you are on slow growth mode. And so we have to deal with these hurts and these wounds. I had a friend and she lived with a very abusive husband and she was a wonderful, wonderful person, just a fabulous person, nicest lady in the world. She could pray like, like all, like just nothing, amazing prayer warrior, but her husband was beating her down all the time. So no matter how many seminars she went to, no matter how many church services she went to, and she was there every time the doors were open, no matter how many books she bought or coaches she got or counselors she got her, she never grew beyond a certain place. Because she was constantly berated and abused and she, she could not, she, every time she would get healed, she would get wounded again. And so her, her growth was stunted. So in certain areas, she seemed very mature because she learned how to survive being a prayer warrior. But in other areas, she was very uh, immature because she was touchy, resentful, fretting, worrying, fearful. And so all of these things we have to understand, we've got to deal with it. Doctors will tell you, a couple of things about wounds. One of them is to leave it exposed. Immediately you dress it, but it's simply you leave it exposed. You leave it exposed. And the, se- and the second thing is, if it bleeds a little, that's okay, because the blood cleanses it so that it doesn't get infected. You don't want to bleed to death, but there's some blood. That's not a bad thing. You've got to let the blood flow. But many of us, what we do is we come to church week after week, and we drive here sobbing, crying, bitter, angry, whatever feeling or emotion we have that's buried down there that's beginning to manifest because we're coming closer to the anointing of God. Whatever it is, we come and we act like we've got it all together because all of us, especially preachers, I don't subscribe to this theory because I believe in being transparent, but most preachers want to act like they got it all together. I've never had a challenge in my life that my great faith did not overcome. Oh, yes, of course, I was betrayed and abused, of course, says the pastor. But you know what? My great faith shielded me like a shield. And they don't want to admit they've ever been hurt. And this is what we teach in church culture, not our church, but this is what we teach. You come to church. They say, how you doing today, sister? I am too blessed to be stressed. I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. You know all the religious things to say. And so we put on our mask and we don't let the wound be exposed. Listen, if you've got a wound, let it be exposed here because there's people here who can help you get a healing. But if you cover it up, you're not getting, oh, you're not getting healed. Oh, amen. So, and then, you know, the, the blood flow. You got to come into a corporate anointing, get some counseling, let the blood cleanse you from 
that womb. We're going to be doing a series on inner healing probably later this year, and I imagine everybody in South Florida who's been to one of these cursing, abusive churches needs to show up. I don't know if many of you know, but the, the shepherding movement originated in Fort Lauderdale. Did you know that? Do you even know what the shepherding movement is? The shepherding movement was a, a movement that started out as accountability, but ended up in strict, severe control to the point that you had to ask uh, permission about who you, not just a blessing for marriage, but permission. Do you, do you approve? You had to ask permission, like permission to go on a family, not just, okay, I, you're not even a leadership. You're just, you're just it, it is suffocating control. And so that spirit is still in this region, which is why there's so much church hurt. We're going to do a series later this year on, on, on that. So let's shout grace to the hurts and the wounds because some of you today just hearing that got a measure of faith that maybe things can change. And if you're a member here, you can get counseling. Are you ready? One, two, three. Grace! I like that. I might go around doing that all the time. Number eight, number six rather. The mountain of bad habits and bondages. Bad habits and bondages. Hmm. There's some that you may know about and others that you may not know about. Hmm. Pornography, overeating, smoking. Look, I don't think smoking cigarettes is going to send you to hell. I really don't. And I'm not judging people that smoke cigarettes. It doesn't really affect me as long as you're not blowing the smoke in my face. But... You're going to have to quit sometime. I don't believe in my research of the Bible and the book of Revelation in particular, I don't see a, a, a smoking section in heaven. So at some point, you're going to have to break this addiction. And it is an addiction. It is an addiction. It, we have, but see, there are some addictions that are more benign. Some of us are addicted to watching TV or addicted to eating pasta or addicted to whatever becomes an addiction when you can't stop doing it. And we have to understand that when we're in some kind of bondage or something from your past, something, some kind of whatever it is, when you're in bondage, you're stunting your growth. You can grow past it, but if you're not actively trying to move past it, you won't get past it. That's the whole definition of bondage. You're, you're like this. You have to at least try to get free in order to get free. You have to want to get free in order to get free. We have here the Freedom Explosion Nights. We have Celebrate Recovery starting, and we have the Total Freedom in Christ program for members and non-members. If you want to be a part of any of those things, if you've got habits and addictions, issues in your mind, go sign up for one of those things. We're going to shout grace to this mountain of bad habits and bondages. Ready? One, two, three. Grace! That just doesn't get old. Praise God. I like it. The mountain of idolatry. This will stunt your growth. The enemy will try to get you to spend more time worshiping other gods, the God of entertainment, the God of family. Look, you know, it is God family ministry, but it's not family God ministry. It's not family ministry God or ministry God family. God is first. So we say God's first. He's first. And when anything takes his place, at, uh, uh, it takes his place of first, then we have an, uh, an idol in our life. And idols, you know, in Psalms, it says, you know, that they worshiped idols with no eyes, no ears, and no mouth, and they became like them. And so when we, we behold or we become what we behold. And so when we're gazing at TV for eight hours a day or we are, you know, whatever it is we're doing that we've, we've, we're giving so much time to that that it's hindering our time with God. Like I'm not against watching football or bad, whatever it is. TV is not inherently bad. It's when we allow these things to usurp the time that we should be spending with God. 
That's why I wake up and give God the first part of my day, because as I've told you before, by the end of the day, I'm tired and my mind is mush. I've been writing, working, praying, counseling, well, all these things, all that. And I need to disconnect my mind. I can't even, I can't even wrap my mind around the word at that point, unless that's why I watch like YouTube videos. Cause at least you still have the, get the word in you. But sometimes when people are in a dry season, they turn to idols. When they can't hear God, when they can't feel God, they turn to idols for comfort that the Holy Spirit should be giving them and probably is, but we don't feel it because we're in a dry season. There are seasons we walk through that are dry seasons. It's part of just the ebb and flow of walking with the Lord. There will be seasons where you don't necessarily feel him or hear him, but you have to know by faith that he is there. When you're in a dry season, you need to get in the water of the word. It's the word that washes you. It's the word that fills you back up. It's the word. In dry seasons, though, you're really not hungry for God. Many times you just, you're just done. You just, but that, that's the time you have to press in more because you'll, you'll turn to idols and then you'll stop growing. Okay. We're going to shout grace to this idol of idolatry. Ready? One, two, three. Grace. Y'all are good. Number eight, we got a couple more and we're going to, we're going to pray. We ran over on worship, but that's okay because this is God's church and he gets to, he gets to set the order of service. Amen. I've been to churches and they've got a 1043 prayer, 1044 worship, 1047 announcements, 1040, 1049. It's like so, and they literally, they've got a timer. I was at a church one time and they had a timer. No, they had a timer. And they did, they, 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 they said, are you going to preach? And, but you got to be done when that timer's over. So I did really, I'm, I'm really obedient when I'm in somebody else's church. Look, if you say I have this much time, this is how much I'm going to take. And the Holy Spirit will honor that as well. Well, I got down to two and a half minutes and I paced myself the best I could and I was done. And so I went to hand, remember this? You were there. I went to hand the microphone back to the, to the lady that, that was in charge of the mic. She says, no, you still have two and a half minutes. You got to go back out there. I said, I got, I got, I got another say. <laughs> but they were so legalistic about the clock that I couldn't even end two minutes early, much less go over. Remember that? I'm like, I don't have anything to say. So I had to make something up and like do a dance and shout and, you know, I, I, when the Holy Ghost is done speaking, the Holy Ghost is done speaking. What, what am I supposed to say? Anything else is me. They don't want to hear that. So I danced and shouted, and then I went home. Praise God. The mountain of unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. That's a big one. Somebody say, that's a big one. It's a big one. We know it's a big one. Something we all have to deal with at one time or another. God won't even hear your prayers if you don't forgive. Yes, he will. Well, Mark uh, eleven twenty five, Jesus says, and whenever you stand praying, and you could be sitting, you say, because, you know, as I say, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, then he won't forgive you. And some people say, well, it says whenever you stand praying. So if I sit and pray, then that, no, that doesn't work either. We have to forgive. We have to speak to that mountain of bitterness. Let's, let's do that now. One, two, three, grace. We've got to knock these things down, but we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we can't forgive other than by the grace of God. I mean, you know, you, you just, you just can't. There's certain things that happen. And if apart from the grace of God, I, you know, I just, 
I don't know what I do. I guess I remain in bitterness and bondage because some things just are just, they just rot. And time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus heals all wounds. Amen. Amen. Number nine, the mountain of bad alignments. First Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. If you're hanging around the wrong people, they can stunt your growth. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this for sake of time. You, under, you understand that. If you're hanging around the wrong people, that's why we tell our kids, I don't want you hanging out with them. My parents are always telling me who to hang out with. Unfortunately, that made me want to hang out with them even more. But see, they knew something that I didn't. And so we have to understand that who we are, we really are, scientifically proven, the, the sum total of the five people we spend the most time around. So if you're spending your time around a bunch of losers, you need to add some winners in your mix because you're not going to pull up the losers because you you are the only winner in the group. You can minister to them, but you need to get around some other successful people. Otherwise, they will drag you down. There's been different times in my life where God was trying to bring a spiritual growth spurt to me. And certain people, I call them assignments. God loves them, but they're being used of the enemy to pull me out of my prayer time, to pull me out, even, even different clients I worked for. You know, they'll call me at five in the morning. Like, you know, I'm praying at five in the morning. What in the world cannot wait till 8 a.m.? Or they'll call me. I'm praying. I'm, I'm praying. I'm reading. And they're called. Well, the Holy Spirit told me to call you with this message. Somebody sent me a Facebook message. I don't even know who this person is. I think I've met them somewhere. She sends me a Facebook message at five in the morning. Says the Holy Spirit tells me I need to call you right now. Now, I, you know, I'm getting older and I'm not old yet, but I'm getting older. You know how they say that old people just don't care. They just say it. They just say it. They do. They just say it. They've lost their inhibition. They don't care. They're just going to say it. So I wrote back and I said, I, I pray at 5 a.m. So I'm quite sure the Holy Spirit didn't tell you to call me because he knows that he, he told me to pray. And then that was the last I heard of that. But you know what? People are just, they don't, they don't, they don't self, but the, the enemy will use people to pull you out of your growth. The mountain of wrong perceptions of God. That's a bit, oh wait, we didn't shout great, it doesn't matter. Ready? One, two, <laughs> Pastor Christine is like, all right, one, two, three, grace. It's my favorite part. The mountain of wrong perceptions of God. I won't spend too long on that, but you need to know who Jesus is. If you listen, if you have a wrong perception of who God is, you probably also have a wrong perception of who you are. And if you have a wrong perception of who you are, then it's really easy to buy into the lies of the enemy that want to further exacerbate on your weaknesses. Listen, the only perfect one is Jesus. I am not perfect. Don't look so stunned. I'm, I'm not. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. None of us are. The only perfect one was Jesus. And here's one. You won't like this either, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Oh, wait, we didn't shout grace. Oh, my gosh. You, you have to remind me. Ready? One, two, three. Grace! We only have one more, and then that's all we have. All right. The mountain of stinginess. Wow, that got a reaction. Did you hear that? My, 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 the stingy spirits are trying to hide, manifested, refusing to sow your talents, your times, and your treasures. You know, you've read, I'm not going to read the parable of the talents for sake of time because it's a long parable, but you understand God gives everybody talents. And this has been used as a parable for actual talents and also for money. 
And so we understand, and, and, and you know, we all have different ways that we build the kingdom. The Bible says some actually have the gift of giving. If you're giving his gift, love, give generously. And some have the, 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 the gift of administration. There's all different kinds of gifts, but we are supposed to use it to build our kingdom, not our kingdom. Even if we're building our business, it's to glorify him and to advance his kingdom. Somebody say it's all about Jesus. And when we make it all about Jesus, then we'll be generous and we will obey. Remember, I pray, I obey. When we make it all about him, we will begin to give of that which he has given to us. Freely we have received, freely we give. The Dead Sea is not growing. And that's how some of us are. I actually looked into the research because we are going to Israel in 2020 and the registration on that is closing soon. So if you're wanting to go, make sure you see me or somebody about it. But the uh, the Dead Sea, nothing comes in and nothing goes out. That's why they call it a Dead Sea. But it's not growing. It's actually shrinking. And so if you are a Dead Sea Christian, where you're receiving, you're receiving, you're receiving, some people who come to our church, especially the typically the afternoon service, they go to five other churches. And they're going everywhere, receiving, receiving, eating, 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 but they don't serve anywhere. They don't give anywhere. They don't, they don't pray, join any prayer team anywhere. They're just consumers. They're consumer Christians. That's not how God created us to be. He has called us to be like him. And Jesus said he came to serve. Jesus said he came to give. God so loved the world because he gave. And aren't you, oh my God, aren't you glad we don't have a stingy God? But see, if you see God as stingy and unable to meet your needs, then you will have that Dead Sea or that consumer Christian mentality. And we are not to be consumers. We are to be sowers in every realm of our life, whatever it is God has told us to do. Let what God has given you flow through you, not just to you. The more you give when God tells you to give, the more you'll receive. It's just a fact. Luke 6.38, the Bible says, give and it shall be taken from you. But why do we act like that? We act like when, when, when a, when a preacher calls for an offering or when, when the, 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 when the, when we say we need somebody to stay on the beautification team, not pretty much this church, you guys aren't like that, but in the body of Christ, I hear pastors talking all the time when they ask for somebody to come, nobody comes because they don't want to sow their time because they'd rather stay home and watch TV. This is an issue. I'm so grateful that none of you are like that. And our church culture isn't like that, but in the body of Christ, it's just shocking, but it says, give and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosoms. And I can't go anywhere in the world without somebody handing me money these days. But you know what? Amen. But I used to hand money. You know what? I used to, I used to get, uh, people used to send me Starbucks cards and we would have different things at the church and I would just, I don't need the Starbucks cards per se because I, I, I have money. So I don't really, I appreciate them and I do use them, but I, I would get the Starbucks cards and I would just give them away at different special events we had at the church. And I just, I would get, you know, maybe one or two a month. I started giving away the Starbucks cards. Do you know now I get like three, four, five, six, seven, eight Starbucks, Starbucks cards in the mail every week? Isn't that crazy? Why? Because I was sowing the Starbucks cards. That was my seed. And now I'm getting, I've got like just constant Starbucks cards. Don't judge me for the mermaid on the cup. I have authority on the mermaid on the cup. Amen. 
I really do, and so do you. But the point is, is if you sow, you will reap. And so we, we have to be willing to sow our time. If you're not willing to sow your time, then you're in self-will or selfishness. If you're not willing to, 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 to do what God tells you to do, then you're not doing what Dr. Cho said, I pray, I obey. You got it? We're going to pray for you in just a minute. I want to read you this. Oh, we got to shout grace to the mountain of stinginess. Let's see who shouts on this one. The one who's don't shout, we know you're stingy, so... <laughs> Ready? One, two, three. Grace! Hallelujah. Interactive preaching. Praise God. God is good. I want to read you this testimony, and we're going to pray for you in just a minute. I got this in the mail last week. Dear Apostle Jennifer LeClaire, it's so long, I'm not going to read it all. It's pages. One, two, three. There was another page that fell off. She says, I want to write this letter to say thank you. The Lord has used you to greatly bless my life. On February 26, 2019, I sowed a Thanksgiving offering to your ministry website in the amount of $2,431 wide to your ministry. And she goes on to talk about how she got involved in this bad business deal. She was wrongly aligned. It was a friend, but the, but the Lord didn't tell her to do it. And she sowed $20,000 in this thing. And then the guy stopped paying his part. And then she had this massive financial burden, did not know how she was going to pay for it. He would not pay for it. He just blew her off. She prayed and she kept sewing. She said uh, her friend completely stopped making payments. She went uh, to a service uh, called Warring for Your Mega Payback back in Dania Beach when we were there in October uh, uh, before, I guess it was sometime before the building collapsed. And she said, I've been quote, she goes, you prophesied this over me. She said, there's, she said, I prophesied this. There's vindication indeed coming for you because there was a twisting of words against you and a twisting of situations. There was an issue that was supposed to go one way and it went another way and it was unexpected, just over the top. But the Lord says vindication belongs to you and he will take vengeance on those spirits that tried to destroy you. So I thank you, Lord, for this woman of God and for what she represents in the spirit. And then I go on and on from there. But he starts and then the Lord says at the end, I'm bringing a recompense to you because the enemy has brought retaliation against you. And then she said she held on to that word and she warred with the prophecy. This is what I want you to understand. When you get a prophetic word, war with it according to first timothy 1 and 18 don't just sit it on the shelf and say oh praise god and then say well it never came to pass i don't know she's a prophet or not don't do that war with it she says she she uh she war with that word and she had supernatural grace to pay back the loan in three and a half years instead of five years and although her friends still owed her twelve thousand dollars and so she kept praying she kept warring with the word on vindication and then on Periscope one day, I encouraged everybody to uh, prepare a Thanksgiving offering. And I, I guess I said, when he brings, uh, so give him the, the, I said, sow a seed in advance for your restoration. And I don't ever barely do that. She said she sowed 20% of the amount that she wanted to see restored. It was 12,000 something dollars. So she, she sent my ministry an offering of 2,400 something dollars. And then guess what happened? On Saturday, February 23rd, 2019, my former friend emailed me to tell me he wants to settle the balance, and he deposited a check on February 25th for $12,159. Amen? That's called mega payback. You got to war with the word. You got to believe what you're sowing into. And I want to give you an opportunity today to sow. This is good ground. People are getting financial breakthroughs all over the world. Amen? I don't need your money. God doesn't need your money, but God is trying to give you a blessing. And the Bible says, give and it will be taken from you. 
No. So don't act like when you're giving, something is being taken from you. Act like when you're giving, you're sowing a seed, and that one seed is going to produce a whole big harvest. This is reality. This is the truth. Give and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give in to your bosom. God uses people to bless you all over the world. I want to give you an opportunity to sow today in faith. All right. Well, if you want to use Cash App, it's dollar sign awakening hop. The text to give is there. And the PayPal is paypal.me slash awakening hop. We're going to pray and then we're going to pray for you. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.